Uh, Philippians chapter number 4. This is going to be our launching pad. Verse 15. And ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me, with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Amen. And for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but that not because I desire a gift, but that I desire that fruit may abound to your account. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to have on your account when you get up there and face the Lord? Amen. Amen. Paul, Paul's concerned about what you, when you face the Lord, you're going to have a report card up there. Yeah. And on your report cards will be giving. Another part on your report cards will be attendance. Right? And, and uh, there's a whole lot of things God's probably going to have on his report card when you face him. You've got to give an account of. And this is Paul's just saying, you know what? When you get up there, I don't want you to be empty. I want you to have something. I want you to have something to give the Lord. Amen. What is that? Fruit to abound to your account. I am, but I have all and abound. I am full and have received of Epaphroditus. Amen. The things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, sacrifice acceptable, well pleasing unto God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Father, we love you. I ask you to bless now these lessons, this teaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of men, when they preach on missions, and they have missions conferences. This is one of their favorite passages of Scripture. This is one of Brother Eastep's favorite. But I heard Rick Sow say this. I believe it was Rick Sow, pastor up in Hope Baptist Church in Toledo. He said, but my God shall supply all your need according to what? His riches. He said, quit looking at your riches when it comes to giving. Amen. Look at his riches. See, it's according to his riches. See, and it's a deal between you and God and what you purpose in your heart, what you want to do and give to God, that's between you and Him. Amen. But the bottom line is, if you open up your wallet and you look at what you can do, you'll never do much. But when you begin to look at His hand and according to His riches, you may step out and do something you never thought you could do. And God may begin to show you something that you never even imagined when you, it depends on whose hand you're looking at, your hand or His hand. You look at your jobs or you look at him. Amen. It depends on which angle you're looking at it. Right? But notice what it says there. But my God shall supply all your need. You got a need? He may give it to you. What's he say over there in Psalm 34, verse 4, or verse 7, whatever it is? Psalm 4, 34, 4. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee what? The desires. Is he going to give you what you want or is he going to give you the right desires? You can apply it either way you want. But I believe he'll give you the right desire. He'll put the right desire in your heart. Listen, you want to honor the Lord? I want to honor the Lord in everything. And that includes giving. Amen. You know what I see? Let's go to First Timothy chapter number 6. I see a problem. I see there's a problem with mankind. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. He said, he's talking about these men that don't want to teach right according to verse 3. If any man teach otherwise, consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, doting about with questions and strife of words, whereof cometh Envy and strife, railing, evil surmising, perverse disputing of men with corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing what? Gain is godliness. Gain is godliness. This world is ate up with gain. Yep. 
The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, they're greedy of gain. Amen? They, the, the idea of the world out there is he that has the most toys wins. That's a bad choice, right? But godliness with contentment is great gain. See, that's the things that God wants, right? Amen. God wants contentment. And so he says in uh, verse 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry what? Nothing out. So what are you taking with you? I went to Jimmy Hood's funeral the other day, and guess what? There was no U-Haul behind the hearst. Amen? He left everything. He gave his car away. He did a lot of things. Everybody's now got his stuff. You know what everybody's got to do when you die? They've got to go through your junk. You know what's going to happen when you die? There's going to be people fighting over your junk. There's people get diagnosed with a, a terminal illness. They're sitting at home and the children begin to walk in and start taking stuff out of the house that they want. Wow. Amen? They, they go, man, I ain't even planting the ground yet. You're stealing out of my house. Listen, I hope I don't have nothing to give them. Amen? You say, what? I, I just, I don't want my kids fighting over stuff. Amen. That's just, I, don't want, I don't want nothing my mom's got. I don't have nothing my dad had. Amen? I could care less. It's not about things. It's about them. Amen. And you know, when I was 11 years old, my parents divorced. All that mattered to me is that they stuck together. I didn't care how bad they fought. Amen? But why'd they have to leave? Why'd dad have to move across the state? Man, that stuff, that just bothered me. Amen? I care less. I, I, I don't care what they have. I ain't worried about anything dad owned. I wanted dad. I wanted dad and mom to be together. Amen? The bottom line is we're all going to the ground and it doesn't matter what, we've, what we have. People, this world is covetous. And they're, and they're greedy of gain. And, and listen, they got in front of them, in front of that television set, dog eat dog. And this is what you got to have. And they got all these rich millionaires parading through you, showing how they live, what they do. And, and the whole philosophy of the world out there is he that has the most toys wins. Well, you know what? I see guys that's gotten $55 million, amen, uh, through their NBA career and they're broke. Have nothing. I see all these vultures that hang around them hoping that they can eat off of those guys. Everybody's out for a buck. And everybody's out to be a middleman. And everybody's out to make a living. Very few people are content. And there's churches that are like that too. I looked on local churches, at buildings that's for sale. You ought to see a bunch of them that's for uh, 500, 600, 800, 900, 1,000, or a million, a million plus. Buildings. So if you want to get started, you got a million some dollar building. You know what Charity Baptist Church did? They bought a building. Amen. They sold their building. They bought a building. You know what that is? That's a millstone hanging around their neck about to kill them because they can't meet the debt. Hello. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to be honest. The debt is killing them. There's a bunch of people come together, said, we'll buy this multi-million dollar building. If we turn around, you all do your part and pay the bills. Guess what? It's strangling them. Hello. Amen. I'm saying there's churches all around this country that are strangling with debt. And it ain't about the debt. And I'm not trying to preach to get money for a building or anything else like that. I just want to teach what the Bible teaches about giving and offerings. Amen. Amen. Look at what it says. But godliness with contempt is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and certainly we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, there, let us therewith be what? It's hard to be happy. Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifice and strife. You know what? There's houses all over Beaver Creek, Centerville, and places like that. They got three, four, five hundred dollar homes, and we've went in them. They had no furniture. 
We're in the Copenhagen vacuum cleaner one day. We walk in, it's $400,000 home, and they got no furniture. And they're working two jobs. They got the building, they got the shell, and they got no life, and their kids are out there snorting crack and doing all these other kind of things. They can't afford to live in the house that they're paying for. Does God really want that? I'd rather have a meager little house and have a home and have love and joy in that home and be able to have a slice of toast. Amen. Then that have nothing and not have each other. Amen. Verse 9. But they that what? Will be rich, fall into temptation and snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Sum it up, nail it down, there it is. It's what a man wants. You want to know what the problem in the church is about giving to the Lord? Right there. It's what you desire. It's what you want. Do you want Do you want to honor the Lord with your substance? Do you want to support the gospel to go out? Do you want to reach lost people? Do you want to minister and help people? Or do you just want to build a kingdom for yourself down here? Amen? There's a bunch of people who don't want to support missions, don't want to give, don't want to do nothing. They want to build them a three or $400,000 home, have 10 or 20 acres they can play with all their little toys, go out and buy them a little John Deere Gator, get them a little backhoe and a bobcat, and get their little tractor and build, build, and, and build everything they want down here and have a palace down here. And they care less if the gospel goes anywhere. But I know preachers that give everything they got just about to get the gospel out and reach others. That's what the Apostle Paul did. Right. Amen? And some of the greatest givers I know are preachers and missionaries trying to get the work of God out. Hello. Amen. Let's get this. The root of all evil, while some what? Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Amen. Look at what he says in verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded nor trust where? In uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth richly all things in joy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to what? Distribute. Well, how dare a preacher stand up and tell his rich people in his church, pull out your wallets and pass it out? <laughs> Open up your purse wide and, and put it in and help support the work of God. Listen, there's millionaires out there that don't only put just a small portion in that they can do a whole lot more, but the reason they won't because I'm not in charge of it and I don't want to build things for other people. Instead of just blindly just giving and supporting and just giving and giving and doing what God... God gave them the gift of uh, be able to acquire wealth. What are they doing with their wealth? Are they imparting it to the cause of Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. I'm not talking about a, building a million-dollar college campus here. I'm not talking about doing all that stuff. I'm not talking about building an empire. I'm talking about supporting people and getting Bibles out there that people might have seed. Amen? You know what preachers need? They need tracts. They need literature. I know people's against tracts. But you know what? They work. And people are saved. And all these people that are against gospel tracts one day is going to stand up and they're going to see millions of people that went to heaven because they read a portion of the Word of God and they got saved. Amen. Amen? They might not have a completed Bible, but if they got portions of the Bible that tells them how to be saved, and by faith, if they'll exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him, Amen. they can go to heaven! Amen. Well, they can't go to heaven because they didn't have a 100% perfect, complete Bible. Oh, good night, man. There's enough portions of the Scripture there to tell people how to get saved. That's the bottom line. They get saved. And you know what? They need help. Those are little missionaries that we can help send all over the place. America don't want them no more. 
America's seen so many tracks, they just litter the roads with them. People don't want them. They look at them, immediately throw in a trash can. I was at Xenia Golf Course one day, and I, and I paid my bill, and I said, Sir, can I give you a little something to read? He said, Sure. And he takes the track and goes, and he throws in the trash can. I said, I can't believe he did that. I said, Good night. He goes, Well, you want it back? And he pulls it out and he uncrumples it. I said, Ain't no good now. I, said, I didn't say, Hey, can I give you something to throw away for me? I said, I'll give you something to read. I ain't never been back. Amen. I've golfed a lot of places in 30, 28 years, but I ain't been to that place. Amen. It may be prospering. It may be growing. Amen. The devil may help that place grow and say, well, your little 30 bucks every, every now and then, amen, didn't matter because they're still growing. Let it grow. I could care less. He's going to stand before God for throwing the gospel away. Amen. But there's places. When I was down in Mexico, we were passing out tracks. I had one left, and I go, man, who can I give that to? And somebody grabs my arm. Amen. When they grab my arm, they take it away. They wanted that gospel track. Chasing you down for the track. There's places begging you for a portion of the Word of God. Yep. Amen. Amen. And people have got so much. They're just and, and listen, there's so many preachers out there, amen. They're lining up like little piggies waiting for somebody to slop the hogs. There's preachers going to missions conferences, camp meetings, they're just desirous that somebody help support them so they can go, that they can have some liberty and get the gospel out and reach people. Amen. It's a shame we have to have deputation. Right. But you know what? I've heard about giving and I've heard about people, amen. So don't put all your eggs where? In one basket. Why? You lose them all. Like my boss, he's got, he's got accounts from all kinds of companies. His business is all not just wrapped up in one company. What happened to Delphi right down here? Uh, their whole business and everything is wrapped up in General Motors. Guess what? General Motors goes under. Where's Delphi? Gone. Where's all them jobs? Gone. So missionaries, what they do is they go from church to church to church, try to get a portion from each one of them and get promised support so they can go over the field and serve God. And they're going on to promise and support of others. You know how many preachers don't get full support? You know how many churches, amen, that don't get what they need to get out there? Tons of them. Why? Because Christians are stocking up on themselves. Brother Esep used to say this. He said, what you need to do is turn around and give it to God instead of a bunch of Jews going on Bahamas. People take this time of year, December 25th, and I'm not just teaching this because it's December 25th, but what he says is all these Christians go around, they run up all this money on Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and they go into great debts, and then the Jews take off and they go to the Bahamas and laugh at us as we're paying 21, 22, 25% interest on credit cards, buying gifts for people that don't care. And preachers and missionaries, all their support dwindles, and they have nothing. So every year during December, he'd have support uh, preacher meeting. He used to have a winter camp meeting. Then it turned into supporting his own preachers that were being sent out of there and that the people of God could give to them and help them so they could get through December, January, and February by giving them good offerings. Amen. Because you know what? There's a lot of preachers sitting at home right now, evangelists, because they ain't got no meetings. You say, why? Because preachers are too worried about doing their own things instead of trying to help the others so they cancel their support and they don't give it. They fall away. Amen. I thought we'd get somebody to run the aisles on that one. Right? That's what we need. Amen. So what's happening is people ain't giving. And you know what? We've got a charge and a rich. Now, I'm just, this is just hearsay. Okay? And I'm not saying things just to cast stones. Amen? Pastor Lovell told me this, that uh, Don Wright was a good friend of his. And Don Wright's a realty man around this area. And Don Wright, he's a multimillionaire. You understand? And he was part of Fellowship Track League, I believe it was, at one time, going to that church down there. 
And they said, that for I don't know for whatever reason, but Don Wright wound up leaving, moving to another church. I'm not throwing stones at Don Wright. I'm just giving you an example. He's a multi-millionaire in a church. And when he left, they said the offerings went up. And I'm not throwing stones at Don Wright. What I'm saying is there's a lot of people sitting there waiting for Don Wright to pay the bills probably instead of them tithing and giving. And then when he left, folks felt like now we got to step up because the millionaire's not here no more. And guess what? Then offerings went up because everybody else started pitching in instead of waiting one man to do the job. And that's what's the danger of having a rich man in your church because everybody thinks, well, you know, Nick will take care of it. He's a millionaire. You, know? <laughs> you understand? And, and, and that's what happens. Instead of everybody doing what they can do, and supporting what they can support, right. amen, we worry about it. Now, you want me to show you the biggest issue, amen, in, a, in, in the tithing and giving today? Can I show you? It's a symbol. Anybody know what that symbol is? Percentage. Percentage. What's the Lord's and what's yours? That's what the whole issue is about, isn't it? Huh? And everybody worries about the percentage. Well, what is the percentage for a Christian today? Let's see what the Bible says. Amen? And so we'll draw. I've got a dead pen here. Amen? It's done died. Sorry about you guys on YouTube watching a dead pen. Amen? We're going to try to get somebody up here. See if we can find a good pen to do the job. Amen? We'll throw that away. I don't reuse it. A dead pen. Right? What is this right here? It's a line, right? And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to put a few things on this thing to draw some lines. Calvary. Isn't that a blessing? And then we're going to start over here with creation. And then... Uh, we're going to put some lines on this thing. And then we'll just draw a little mountain. Amen? And we'll draw a set of commandments here. The law. And this is Moses. We'll put that there. Law. Moses, his books. Right? The five books of Moses. Hello? Yeah. Amen? And then Moses, another thing we call for Moses, the law. Right? And the laws until when? Technically, it's John the Baptist. Jesus said the law was until John, right? 39 books of the Old Testament. But everybody includes all these things. But then you got Genesis over here. Amen? And Genesis has got some things before the law shows up, says about tithing, right? In Genesis chapter number 14, if you'd look at that. Genesis chapter number 14. Genesis chapter number 14, Abraham goes out to rescue Lot. And coming back, he meets a guy named Melchizedek that's greater than the Old Testament priesthood. He's a, he's a, he's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And it says over there in verse 18, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be he, the Most High God, which had delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him a tithe of what? He gave him a tithe of all. So what's a tithe? According to Hebrews 7, it's a tenth. 
Okay, so that's where we'll go next to. So Abraham, according to Genesis 14, verse 20, he gives a tithe. That's the first mention of the word tithe. Okay, right? And according to Hebrews 7, like Brother Nick said, go ahead and turn there. Hebrews 7, it's a tenth. Hello? Who did this? Abraham. You can say Abram. I like what Jim Lynch said. He said when Abraham finally tithed, Abram finally tithed, God put the ham on him. <laughs> Amen. Hebrews chapter number 7. It's talking about Melchizedek. Verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings... And blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave what? A tenth part of what? All. All. So he gives him a tenth part. A tithe is a ten. He gave ten percent of what? All. all. Now some will say he just gave tenth of the spoils. But then another place says all. So people's going to battle over, should you give ten percent of all? Or should you give just ten percent of spoils? And so if you have no spoils from a battle, then you don't owe God anything. But Abraham said, Lord, you bless me, and you know what? I want to give you a tenth of all the spoils that came in. And he divided up the spoils, right? So he did that. That was something Abraham wanted to do, right? Then there's another fellow in the book of Genesis, amen, and his name's Jacob. Hello? And Jacob says something. And this is all before the law. Amen. Let's go to the book of Genesis. 28. Jacob's now going to go find him a wife. And he he meets God. He has come to meeting with God. Amen. In verse 16, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I knew it not. And he was afraid. and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other than the what? The house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early and took a stone. Amen. That he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured all on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. Amen. And the name of that place was called Luz at first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If thou will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give bread to eat and raiment to put on, should I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillow shall be God's house. And of all that thou give me, I will surely give what? A tenth unto thee. Now, like it was pointed out the other day, it didn't say that he ever honored that vow, but that's what he purposed in his heart. That's a Pauline philosophy, right? If you purpose in your heart, he purposed to give a tenth. His grandpa gave a tenth, and then he said, you know what? I'm going to give a tenth. So Jacob promised to wind up doing that. You understand? This is before the law. Now, let's go to... Uh, Exodus chapter number 16. Exodus chapter number 16. Verse 33. They're collecting manna. Amen. Verse 33. And Moses said on there, and take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the Lord, that be kept for his generations. And the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to lay it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children 
of Israel did eat manna forty years, and they came to the land and inhabited, and did eat manna until they came to the borders of the land of Canaan. Verse thirty-six. And an omer is a what? A tenth. See, so in Exodus over here, Exodus sixteen, when he's when they're collecting manna, God told them to to give a tenth of it. You understand? He showed them. I want you to take a tenth of it. God has shown them there's a tithe, a portion of the ratio. You understand? Mm-hmm. Let me give you something else. What's that? Well, I was just saying that's uh, when uh, the Sabbath was mentioned as well, too. Yeah. But we also showed you that it wasn't established until Exodus 20. So there's things that are said there and the things that are done there. But the thing is, God's showing you it's a tenth. And this is before the Mosaic Law shows up. They're under grace, and He's just giving you an example. Now, let's go back to Hebrews 7. You still there? Hebrews 7. So we have the Old Testament. We have Acts. Jesus Christ is born. We have Matthew, the Gospels. Matthew, Mark. Luke, John, we have the Gospels, the life of Jesus Christ when He was born, right? You have the book of Acts, then you have the Pauline epistles, right? Then you have Hebrews through Revelation, through the rest of your Bible, right? So, we want to rightly divide these truths. Amen? Hebrews chapter number 7. He said in verse 2, To whom Abraham gave a tenth part of all, being by interpretation the king of righteousness, and after that also the king of Salem, which is the king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but God, but made like unto who? The Son of God. Amen. And abideth a priest forever. And God's comparing Jesus Christ to Melchizedek or Melchizedek to Jesus Christ. One like unto the Son of God, right? There's some people believe that Melchizedek was a pre-incarnate Jesus. Others believe he was Shem. Uh, they can believe whoever they want to believe. But I believe he's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Abraham's a type of my salvation. Amen. Saved by grace. Now consider how great this man was on whom the patriarch Abraham gave what? A tenth of what? The spoils. So people want to argue about all in verse 2 versus spoils in verse 4. I care less what they're arguing about. Amen. Verily they that are the sons of Levi who receive the office of a priesthood have commandments or have commandment to take tithes of the... There's where the rub is. Well, you preachers, you think you're going to turn around and take tithes of the people? Look at what it says. According to the... We're not under law. We're under grace. That is, uh, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of who? Abraham. Abraham. He said, this is a total different thing. We're not talking about the Mosaic priesthood. We're talking about a man that's greater than the Mosaic priesthood. One likened unto the Son of God before the law under grace. We're getting a Bible example of what to do. Right? Amen. Without all contradictions, the less is blessed of the better. See, this this is the thing that we're missing. The blessing. The blessing. The baby's been thrown out with the bathwater because people are arguing about what kind of percentage of what they ought to give to God. 
The bottom line is you want to be stingy, be stingy. You want to give God zero, give zero. You want to give God 100%, give Him 100%. I could care less with you. You're standing before Him. You understand? I got to give an account myself, not you. Amen? But they're missing a blessing. Verse 6. But he whom, uh, whose descent is not counted of them that received tithes of Abraham, blessed him that had the promises. And with all, without all contradiction, the less is blessed to the better. Here, men that die receive what? He's talking about the Old Testament priesthood, right? They die. But there receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he what? Liveth. As I may, or... And as I may say so, Levi also received tithes, paid tithes where? Not only did he receive them, he paid them. And where was he? The law wasn't even established when this comes up. And Levi was paying tithes and giving tithes to Melchizedek before the Mosaic law ever even showed up. And what was it a testimony of? He lives. So we have an example here. It's an example. It's an illustration. Right? He's like us. He is like us. Grace. Right? Before the law, it's an illustration, an example. And you know what they were given? They were given a tenth. Now, is that a sin? It's not a sin, is it? It's not a crime. If a brother wants to give 10%, I think that's a good place to start. I think this is a beginning for every person, every person, not just a Christian, to be able to render back to God, amen, how He has blessed them. And I believe there's illustrations and examples. But you know what? It's not in a Pauline example. So therefore, all the brethren want to criticize this, and then they don't want to wind up giving to God, and they argue about terms and words and issues. And the bottom line is, is they're covetous. Right. But this is an example to me. It's a picture of what? What's Hebrews talk about? It talks about the first covenant and it talks about the second covenant. It talks about the Old Testament. It talks about the New Testament, right? right? And you know what? The church is not under, in a sense, Israel's new covenant. Amen. This, with Moses, is the old covenant. We're talking about something that was established before the old covenant. The covenant with Israel that he made on Mount Sinai, Exodus 20. And that's what the book of Hebrews is dealing with. And then he says he's going to write a new covenant with Israel. But we call ourselves New Testament Christians according to Matthew chapter number 26, right? right? When Jesus broke bread and squeezed grapes into a cup and said, take, this is the blood of the New Testament. So we want to fight and argue when the New Testament really begins and when it doesn't begin. Did it begin at Calvary? Did it begin... Where did the church begin? I mean, listen, we're all arguing about a bunch of stuff because it ain't written in textbook form to us. It ain't all spelled out. And some people think they got it spelled out and then others want to come and contend with them about what they think they got spilled out. And you know all it is is a bunch of opinions of men and is driving lost people away. Amen. 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 Listen, you want to give, you give. You don't want to give, don't give. Right. Amen. That's why we got a box. You want to, go ahead. Sure. You don't want to, amen, do whatever. Invest in the stock market. It's going to crash. Amen. <laughs> Hello. I didn't get no amens on that. Amen. amen. My hope's built on him, not on, not on New York Wall Street. Right. But this is my example. And my example, amen, is a testimony that he lives. Amen. Every time I take my tithes and offerings and I put them in the plate to support the local church, I am testifying that he lives. Yes, amen. That's why I do that. Amen. amen. Deuteronomy.
Deuteronomy. I think it's chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 21. Ye shall not eat anything that dies of itself. Thou shalt give it unto the stranger that is in thy gates, that he may eat it, or that thou mayest sell it unto them, or unto an alien. Ain't that good? Aliens are in the Bible. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. Thou shalt surely tithe all the increase of thy seed one, and that the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in a place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn, thy wine, of thine oil, of thy firstlings, of thy herds, of the flock. Now watch this. Why should they do that? There's a purpose here. We're missing the principle. Amen? What's the principle of Israel tithing? Well, let's see what the principle is. Because we'll argue about whether we should give a 10% or 20% or 30%, 0%. But there's a principle God's trying to teach him, and this whole thing's missed in the whole thing. He said, what is it? That thou mayest learn to do what? Fear the Lord thy God. How? Always. You know why I tithe? Because I fear God. Amen. Amen. And you know what, you know what I do? I fear Him. I fear Him. And I've learned to fear Him. And I started to learn to fear Him because I take a portion of my giving and give it to Him. And I started with 10%. Amen. Of all. Amen. Amen. People argue now, should you give of the gross or the net? Well, I like what Bobby Brindle said. Do you want a gross blessing or you want a net blessing? <laughs> Amen? That's good. Amen? And then listen, here's another thing that I do. When I do tithe and when I do give. Amen? I don't wait and tithe after the government takes out all the money that I earned because if I earned money, if I earn a thousand dollars and they take forty of it, or four hundred of it, they take forty percent, you know what? Then people want to tithe that leftover sixty percent. But I earned the others. And out of the income that I earned, I'm to pay my tribute, my taxes. So you can fight and argue however you want to do that. I could care less. You understand? People want to argue. Listen, as a man purpose in his heart, so let him give. give. I purpose in my heart to tithe off the top. Before Obama puts his grubby, grimy, filthy fingers into my account. Amen? You say, why? I'm trusting God to supply and meet the needs of me. Amen? Now watch this. I seen something here this week that I was really excited about. Verse 24. And if the way be too long for thee so that thou art not able to carry it. Can you imagine carrying all the corn and all the wine? Having to load it up on wagons and haul sheep and oxen and everything else behind you. Can you see these guys coming to tithe? Can you see the wagon trains coming? Uh, some guy plants 30 acres. Amen. And he's got who knows how many bushels and bags full of corn that he's bringing in and wheat, barley and things he's bringing in and grapes and oil and wine. He, he, he just ain't walking in with a wallet. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So I can see these people trying to make a journey to the storehouse. They're loading up in the land of Israel and they're loading up all their produce to take the tithe to the temple, to the tabernacle, wherever you want to call it. Now watch this. Able to carry it. Or if the place be too far for thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose to set his name there when the Lord thy God is what? 
Bless thee. See, this is a this is you receiving something from God, and God says, You give me the first fruits, and this is how I've blessed you, and because I've blessed you, and I've blessed your garden, and you've reaped crops, and your animals have gendered, and and, and you you're wind up receiving sheep and cattle and goats and all this. He said, Guess what? Just give me the first fruits of that thing, and we'll we'll be happy, and I'll bless I'll continue to keep blessing you. But if you want to start robbing me, I'll shut it off. Your cattle won't bear. Amen. Your crops won't grow. Amen. Amen. Look at what it says. Verse 25. Then shalt thou turn it into what? Isn't that something? And bind up the money in thy hand, so that thou shalt go to the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. Listen, here's the thing. We don't do all that today. What we do is we convert everything that we make into money, and we've turned all our giving principles into giving. Or into money, right? How many people are bringing in wagons full of corn to the church? How many guys that run a potato farm set aside 400 sacks of potatoes, that's their first fruits, amen, and bring it to the church so uh, they can give it to the poor? People turn it all into money. Everything's turning everything into money, generated into money, and then we operate from there. We'll say, okay, now I'll give the first fruits of this paycheck. What if Nick gives me a $20 bill today and on the way up I don't have no cash to put $2 in the plate so I stop at McDonald's, break it, and I get, a, I get a coffee? Well, you didn't give God the first part of that. You give it to McDonald's first. Yeah, but the $2 already set aside in my heart. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And so then I come in with the money after I broke the 20 and I give what I already purposed to give to God. Well, it didn't come in first. We can get crazy on this thing. You understand? He says over in 1 Corinthians, and we'll get there, he says over there, upon the first day of the week, let every man. Well, what if you get paid Wednesdays? And you choose to put it in Wednesday. God said only on the first day of the week. So when a guy gives his tithes and offerings to church on a Wednesday night, when he gets paid every other Wednesday, should he wait till Sunday to give it? See, we get into splitting hairs. We, we can split hairs fine as you want to split them. Absolutely. You understand? Some preachers believe every time an offering plate's passed, you ought to give. What if you get paid once a month? Am I supposed to section out my tithe and then give it to the church like I'm dealing cards once every week? You understand what I'm saying? What if you only get paid once a month? Well, you know, Nick's not carrying his weight. He, he didn't put in a Wednesday night offering. Everybody else put in. Who's Nick think he is? Well, what if Nick put in 20% on last Wednesday night and he didn't put it in on Sunday morning? Who are we to judge? Who would he get over that? Listen, the bottom line is who you're giving to. Right. You're giving to the Lord. What are you giving for? What's the reason, the purpose you're giving for? I'm just trying to give you a few reasons why I give and where from the scriptures I give. We got a bunch of things that the Apostle Paul says about giving, and we'll get into those Pauline epistle things and what he said to give. I'm just trying to give you a start and a beginning of where it's at. You got the Gospels. Tithe is mentioned five times in the Gospels. Amen. And he says over there, I give tithe of all I possess in Luke chapter number 18. You know what? Jesus said in Matthew 23, all that the Pharisees bid you what? Do. You know what Jesus chided them about in Matthew chapter 23? He says, you tithe mint and rue and cumin, but you pass over in Luke eleven forty-two, amen, the love of God and, and judgment and mercy. You understand? He said, these you ought to have done and not leave the other undone. You know what Jesus said? According to Paul, according to Romans, or 1 Timothy chapter number 6, all the words of Jesus. Jesus believed in tithing and giving. Amen. And he said, we ought not leave it undone. 
Amen. Amen. Well, it's not Pauline epistles. Not in the book of Acts. We'll get there what Paul says in Acts. We'll get there what Paul says in Pauline epistles. We can cover all the examples of the word giving and collections and gatherings and offerings. And, and you understand? We can split hairs over the words. But there's a portion that's generated. And these men wanted the blessing of God upon their life. And you know what they did? They gave a portion. And I believe a tithe is a good place to start. Now, if you don't want to call it tithe, you can call it a present. You can call it a gift. Amen. You can call it a Hershey bar. I really care less what you call it. Amen. And we can fight and bicker over all that. But it doesn't matter. Let's, uh, let's go to first, uh, Proverbs. It's the Old Testament. Some of the people I've heard uh, criticize Old Testament giving, amen, are very big advocates of going to Proverbs, Old Testament, under the law, about spanking their children. Amen. And they'll use it. They don't mind using Proverbs 22.15 when it comes to taking a rod and driving it from your children. And then they take quotes out of the Old Testament law saying that you could whip them from the top of your neck and head to the bottom of your feet and anywhere's fair game as long as it's on the backside of your child. Well, what are they doing? They're going to the law and they're twisting the scriptures to justify child discipline, but it ain't in Pauline epistles, is it? But then they want to criticize tithing because it's all in the Old Testament and a couple places in Hebrew, so therefore they don't believe tithing is for a New Testament church. And they say we're going to law to try to prove justification. And the bottom line is they don't mind going to the law to try to prove child discipline. Amen? Corporal correction. And then they want to go to law to try to prove helpmates. And all this other stuff. That ain't a Pauline term. Amen. So, listen, people can pick and choose whatever verses they want to choose to create whatever doctrine they want to create and champion. But what I'm saying is people turn out to be hypocritical in their teachings and their thinking. Listen, the law is spiritual. And I'm holy. But I'm sold, or, and holy and I'm sold under sin. You understand? I'm not holy, I'm unholy. But the law is holy. It's spiritual. And you know what? It's for my learning. It's for my admonition. And the ball, Paul says in Romans 15, it's for my learning. And I want to learn. And I learned something out of Proverbs chapter number 3. And there's people over there that, that will complain and gripe about uh, giving and tithing under the Old Testament, but they don't mind keeping verse 5. Trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding, and all thy ways, amen, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, depart from evil. Amen. They don't mind using that part, but they don't want to use the next coming verses. Why? Because it's Old Testament. It's not Pauline. Well, neither was the first part. Hello. Amen. Look at verse uh, 8. It shall be health to thy navel, mild to thy bones. Amen. Honor the Lord with what? Thy substance. And with the first fruits of all thy increase. You know what I do? It didn't say tithe there, did it? First fruits, it's implied that you're going to give a tithe. You know what I do? I, I, I honor that. I try to give God the first fruits of all my increase. As I increase, I try to give it to Him. You say, why? Because I want to be blessed. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with what? New wine. You know what? I want my wallet to explode. I want things to come to me. I want to be able to eat. I want my lights to be turned on. I want air in my tires. I don't want people wrecking my cars. Listen, I don't want to be destroyed by rust and moth and all that other kind of stuff. I want the curse of God taken off of my stuff. Amen. And so I take portions like this in the book of Proverbs and say, this is what I want in my life. You say, well, it's not written to you. Okay, have a nice day. I want the blessings. Amen. Let's go to Malachi. Malachi chapter number 3. 
Malachi chapter number 3. The first fruits. You know what I want? I want God to bless me. You know what he said over there in Numbers? He said, give him the best. You know what I want to give? I want to give God the best. Amen. What do I have the best? You know what I did? I got saved. Amen. When I was 17, called to preach and started preaching when I was 22. Amen. The day before I turned 23. You know what I've done? I've given God my life. I've tried to give him the best years that I got. Hello? Give him the best. God wants the best. Do you give God your best? What is the best? Dregs? Leftovers? Amen. Would you go out and cook a roast for Jesus Christ? Would you go out and buy the best steak and treat Jesus Christ? Listen, if Jesus Christ come to dinner at your house today, what would you fix him? Bologna? Is that your best? Would you go out and feed Jesus your best? Would you take him to the best restaurant? I mean, if we're dealing with Jesus now, what kind of car would you give him? What kind of tools would you buy him? Hello? We're just checking your heart out right now. What would you give Jesus? If Jesus needed a cell phone, what would you buy him? A cheap little throwaway, or would you buy him the best? Yeah, so now we got argument at church. <laughs> you understand? I mean, but what kind would you buy him? Would you buy him the best phone on the market? So, Lord, anything. I'll put it on credit. Lord, I'll buy you the best phone. I'll buy you the best laptop. I'll buy you the best computer, Lord. Amen. But then one of his children come in that you, you just esteem yourself a little bit higher than yourself, than him. You say, well, I ain't going to spend that kind of money on that bum. Jesus said, when you did it on the least of these, my brother, you did it on the who? Hmm. Lord, if I'd have known that was you that I was giving to you, I would, I would have gave you my best, but I didn't know it was you. <coughs> Malachi 3. He's talking about robbing God in verse 8. Verse 9, you're cursed with a, a curse. For you have robbed me, this whole nation, bring all tithes in a storehouse. There be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I won't open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out of what? A blessing shall not be room enough to receive it. You know what I want? I want a blessing. Amen. So I take this biblical principle right here and I say, Lord, you did it for them. Would you do it for me? Would you pour out a blessing on me? If I if I see to it that your work's taken care of and your men are supported and taken care of, amen, and I meet the needs of others, Lord, I want to see that you meet my needs. Amen. You said you're selfish and you're giving. I probably am. I probably got the wrong motive. But here I see that God's covering my back. And I said, God, if I'll cover your, do what you want me to do, I know you got my back. Amen. And I got a promise that he's going to take the curse off of my stuff and bless me. Yeah. Amen. Watch what it says, verse 11. This is the thing that people miss. Here's a bonus. Amen. And I rebuke who? The devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord. And all nations shall call you what? Blessed, and ye shall be a delightsome land. Amen, say the Lord of hosts. Listen, I, I like the idea that Israel has an opportunity to be blessed. Amen. Yeah. You know what I want? I want to be blessed. Yeah. And I've seen Dr. Jack Wood multiple times be running meetings. And he said, you know what's wrong with this meeting? we got preaching. we got singing. He said, but there's something missing here. He said, God just doesn't seem to be here. He said, get the offering plates. Get the buckets. Put them out. He said, let's open up the windows of heaven and let's just see if we get God to move in this thing and do something for us. And they take up offerings and they begin to give money. Amen. And they be wind up be able to give and all of a sudden, man, it just seems like something happened. The, uh, somebody from the third world just showed up and walked in. Amen. Another world, not a third world, but the other world from heaven. 
And God began to move in, and something happens to the preaching, something happens to the singing, something happens to the services, and God turns around blessing when God's people sacrifice and give. I've seen the glory of God fall. He said it's a practice principle that I've seen work over and over and over again. And then some Pharisee will come along and he'll criticize what you're doing, and he'll say, well, that's Old Testament giving, and uh, that's not of God, and you're not going to be blessed. Well, we're going we're gonna to do what? What's the key in those verses that I just read you? In Malachi, what's the key? There's a key right here. What's the key? Look at it. Prove me. You know what God says? Put me to the test. You try me out. See if I won't turn around and do what I say. You're so worried that I'm gonna, you're going to give me 10% or 20% or 30%, and you're so worried that you're going to be stuck. And you're going to have to do without what everybody else has. And you know what the problem is? The problem is you think that I'm putting something on you that everybody else ain't going to get, and then you're going to be cast aside. And, amen? God said, prove me. Amen. You know every time I put money in that plate, you know what that is? I'm testing God. Every time I open up my wallet and I take it and I just throw it all in there, you know what I'm doing? I'm proving Him. Amen. Let me ask you a question. You ever taken your checkbook, wrote the balance out on a check, and then stuck it in the box and said, there you go, Lord. I'm going to prove you. That's, that's <laughs> you, want, you want a test? Prove God. Amen. Just prove them. Check them out. See what they do. Did you ever take the keys to your car and give it away? Say, I'll trust you. I'm telling you. I know people's giving away houses. I know people's giving away lands. I know people's giving away vehicles. I, I know people that's giving away t- chunks. I mean, chunks of money. And you know what? I've seen God bless them. Amen. I was praying one day, and I was praying. You, ever, you guys ever pray with the Bible? You guys ever pray the Bible? You ever pray with the Bible? Yeah. And I'm praying over there, and I'm praying about Malachi. And I'm, and I'm praying about my financial support, and I'm praying about my giving, and I'm praying about giving to others. You ever pray about giving to others? You ever pray about the needs for missionaries and people that are out there, and God, they need money, and I need money? Amen. You ever pray Malachi chapter number 3 there, and I was praying that thing? I said, Lord, you said right now, here, prove me herewith. I said, God, you said prove me. And I said, God, I've been proving you and proving you and proving you. I've been giving and I've been giving and I've given and I got this great need and you said you'd bless and, and I got this need and the still small voice spoke to me. Guess what he told me? He said, son, you got more faith in your giving than you do mine. He says, because what you're telling me is you're putting your 10% in, you're putting your 20% in, you are doing your end of this thing and you have doubt that I can do what I said in the rest of the verse. And God said, you got more faith in your giving than in my ability to bless and give back to you. You say, what? The Holy Ghost didn't come and reprove me and say, you know what? You're in the Old Testament. That's to Israel. That's the tithe. That's not Pauline. The Holy Ghost didn't come say that to me. That was not the conversation between me and God. He's saying, son, he did not reprove me for being Malachi chapter number 3. In fact, he talked to me about it, and he talked about where I stood and where I thought he stood. And he says, you know what? Who's ultimately the God in this picture, boy? Hmm. He says, you're getting a little bit high for yourself, ain't you? You, 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 You're thinking you can do something, huh? (laughs) 
you know what? God began to show me how small I am, how worthless I am, and where my faith really was. My faith is with my ability to provide for myself versus His ability to provide for me. Doesn't that ultimately come down to it when we're, when we're dealing with tithes and offerings and everything that we're ultimately dealing with His ability to provide and bless versus our ability to scrounge out a living? we got confidence in the arm of the flesh, don't we? Right? Amen. I that's what ultimately it comes down to. You know what I'm going to do? Instead of giving it to all, I'll keep a little back from me just in case the rainy day comes. So what are you doing? Saying God can't bless? Hey, man, listen, that's what happens. You know what they miss? They miss God. Right? Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Wow, I'm late again. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Talking about giving and receiving. Two chapters totally get dedicated to giving. There's more on giving in your Bible than there is soul winning. Yep. Amen. Second Corinthians 9, verse 5. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and before and make up beforehand your bounty. What's bounty there? That's their money, their giving, their gift, amen, their increase, however you want to say it. Where have you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness? He said, listen, I'm not just trying to covet and take your money because I want to get filthy rich. He said, there's people who's got a need over here, and I'm going to take up the bounty, the, the, the offering that's been given to us, and I'm going to take it to the people that it needs it. But you all think I'm just trying to get money so I can bestow something upon myself. You understand what I'm saying? Paul's trying to make a distinction. Verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth what? Sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also how? Now listen. What's the context of verse 6? It's not giving. The context of verse 6 is not giving. The context of verse 6 is how much property do you want to clear off and plow? And how much seed do you want to plant? You want to sow an acre? You're going to reap what? You're going to reap more than what an acre can hold. You understand? You're going to reap more than you sowed. If you sow bountifully, amen, get out there, see your field, how much of it do you want to work? Well, I'm just going to clear off a little row, okay? Then all you're going to do is reap a row. But if you want to sow two rows, sow two rows. You want to sow more, sow three rows. I know a guy right now that's got about six, eight acres that he's planting corn in, and now he's got his dad going to get a bulldozer down there, and he's going to get him to clear out another little section of a row so he might be able to slip in a few more rows of corn. You know what he's doing? He's trying to work his field out so he can sow bountifully. Sow more so I can reap more. If you sow a little, you'll... Just reap a little. Listen, some of you don't want a big garden, so you just plant three tomato plants in your backyard. Okay, maybe that's all you need. But did you think about giving any to your neighbor? You think about giving any? You understand what I'm saying? Right? right? But listen, every year people grow gardens, man, and they just they bring them into the house of God. Amen. Uh, they load us down with cucumbers and zucchini squash and peppers and all kinds of stuff. You know what they do? They sow bountifully, and then they're just passing them out at the church, giving them to everybody. What a blessing. Amen. You're sowing. But this has to do with sowing. But then he uses a physical illustration to give it to you as giving. You understand? Look what he says, verse 7. 
Every man according as he purposeth where? In his heart, so let him. He didn't say so, did he? <laughs> now he changes sowing to giving. Right? Amen? So let him give. He's making a physical illustration and he's trying to show you, show you that now give. How? As you purpose in your heart. What size crop do you want to reap? Amen? What kind of blessing do you want? How much do you want to come back? What do you want on a return? Isn't that what you say when you go to the bank? How much interest am I going to get on this account? When you sit down with a financial person, amen, when I, when I want to open up a money market, how much interest am I going to get on this account? What's going to be, how much bang can I get from a buck? Right? Hello? That's what he's teaching here. Right? You sow a little bit, you're going to what? Reap a little bit. You sow bountifully, you'll what? Reap bountifully. How big of a bang do you want for your buck? That's, what, that's the principle he's trying to teach you. People are trying to stock up on 401ks and the Roth IRAs. They want millions of dollars so when they retire, they can just play and have fun. But they ain't sticking nothing up on the eternal side. Paul's talking about how to get eternal rewards here as well as earthly rewards. Let every man as he purposes his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity. Listen, you'd say, well, if I tithe, this is necessary. It's necessary for you to get a blessing. Amen? Hello? Amen. You know what God said? He said, give. Is that a command? Huh? If God says give, what's that mean? Give. That's necessary then. What is it? That's obedience. Amen? Listen, you've got to be careful on how you use the word necessary there. The Lord said, honor the Lord. You want to honor Him? Then give to Him. You know what you got to do? You got to burn your flesh. When you want to offer offer the sacrifice of your lips, you know what you got to do? You got to stand up in front of somebody. Amen. <laughs> We're not talking about closet praise. We're talking about sacrificing the fruit of your lips. That's praise to God. Amen. It'll burn your flesh. You know what? When you offer gifts to the Lord, it burns your flesh because you're selfish and you could have kept it for yourself, but instead you gave it right. to the work of God. It burns your flesh. Amen? But God doesn't want it to have to be grudgingly. Right. Oh, man. I got to give this. You know, I got a bonus the other day. And you know what? I, I, I just can't spend it on myself. Well, keep it. Not grudgingly or of necessity, but God loveth what? God loveth a cheerful care. You know what? I just purposed in my heart that there's a portion of my income that's got to go to God. Amen. And you know what? I said, God, you can have it. And you can have it on any percentage you want to have Amen. it. Amen. And you can have it. Yeah. Like I told you, uh, when I mow the grass around here, it's 100% completely to God. Right. It goes in and pays the bills. Sure. You understand? That's a second job that I work. Every bit of it goes to God. Amen. I could sit back and say, well, I'm only going to give 10%. Listen, I give more. I give a lot more. Amen. Why? Because I believe in giving to God and helping people. Look at what it said. God loveth the cheerful giver. Verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound what? Towards you. He is able. Didn't say he would, did it? That, it? that ye always having all what? Sufficiency in all things. It didn't say, amen, that you would always be drinking cream. Right? It didn't say that you would always have butter on your bread, did he? No. You know what? But he said you'd have sufficiency. Yep. Right. He said, I'll see to it that you get by. Amen. You see to it that you get somebody else out there, and he said, I'll see to it that you get by. Right. Didn't say you'd have a brand new Ford Dooley truck sitting in your yard. Right. 
It didn't say you'd have a Ranger bass boat. It didn't say you'd have 357s, yeah. amen, sitting in your, in your pocket, amen, in your holster, right? It didn't say you could go to all Lowe's and build you a huge mansion. It didn't say you could go get three garages to fill with all your Christmas gifts that you never do nothing with. <laughs> Hello? He said you'd have all sufficiency. He said, I'll meet your needs. I'll take care of you if you take care of amen. this. Amen. Right? I've argued with God about all sufficiency. Hello, Amen. able to make all grace abound to you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to what? What? Every good work. Let me ask you a question. That every good work there is that that you may abound in large bank accounts and build you your little kingdom on heaven? Or is it abound where? In every good Work. God assumes that you're going to be busy serving Him and working for Him, and He's going to see to it you'll be able to do the work of God and minister to others. God's called you to a work. Amen? If God didn't call me to pastor. I didn't say that. He called you to go to work. Amen? You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What? On two good works. And you're to maintain good works. And you know what? You're an extension of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're reaching people. And you may have to go buy somebody groceries. That's above and beyond your contribution to the church. You may have to wind up buying somebody some gas to help them. Somebody you don't even know. You may wind up buying somebody a brand new pair of shoes. And nobody ever even knows that to help somebody that needs shoes. You may find some little girl that got in trouble, got pregnant. Hey Amen. She needs help. And you may wind up doing a few little things. And God's giving you a little extra in your pocket that you can help that little girl. Come to Jesus Christ, help minister their needs, see to it that you can spend time with them. Listen, I don't know what the work is, but you know what the work is. God's called everybody of us to do something for Him. Amen. Brother Caleb's done stuff, stepped out, helped the guy, put him in a motel room, gave him some extra money. Where'd God give Caleb that couple extra hundred bucks to do that? Huh? Amen. He met a man at Chipotle, bought him some food, did some things, stuck something in his pocket. Amen. That's an extra good work. You know what? God provided, supplied. He had something. And God touched his heart. And you know what? He distributed as God gave him. Amen. Listen, God said that you'd have that you might be able to meet the needs and help people. And then we as a congregation can come together and God gives us a little extra that we might be able to help and meet the needs of others like Brother Parks and other men that come in here. We try to do what we can do to help them. You understand? Amen. And God supplies. And He just seems to be able to always give us that little bit. Amen. That we can just, it's not much, but we can just give that little bit. Because if I probably started getting it too big, maybe I just might want to say, hmm, (laughs) let me do something over here and start getting selfish. You understand? Yeah. God said He'd supply. Amen. As it is written, He, hath dispersed, he that uh, or hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor. His righteousness, what? Remaineth forever. And I have to stop there. We're taking too much time. But uh, we're going to continue this study and giving and what God says and Paul says. But listen, you purpose a portion in your heart. There's a certain portion to give to God. Then there's a certain portion that you take and you minister to others in your life. Whether it's missionaries, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's a bum on the street, amen. But nobody should do my part. And I shouldn't be doing your part. The key is, is everybody does their part. Boy, then how far Christianity can go. Amen. Brother Caleb, would you dismiss us in prayer?